Hello everyone, it's Mark Godeka here. Welcome to the NT Pod, which is one year old today. It's episode 38, and today we're asking the question, who is the beloved disciple in John's Gospel? It's one of those great enigmas in New Testament criticism. Try and work out who the beloved disciple is in John's Gospel, or what it is that the author of John's Gospel wants to do with this character. Why is it that this character has this special emphasis? He's an anonymous character. He's never named in the Gospel. He's usually called just something like the disciple whom Jesus loved, or or sometimes just the other disciple. And the way that he crops up at key moments does make you think, well, Is he the key to the origins of John's Gospel? And what is it about this character's witness that's so important? John appears to claim a kind of special authority for the Gospel because of this character. Just have a look at a couple of really key verses in John's Gospel. I mean, in John 19.35, for example, at the foot of the cross, you have... Jesus's mother, who's never actually identified as Mary in the gospel, she's always just called Jesus's mother, she's standing at the cross with this anonymous character, the one that Jesus loves, and after Jesus has given them this special new relationship of mother and son, the narrator says, and he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, so that you also may believe. So there's a, there's a kind of presence for this character that guarantees the witness of the gospel and bear in mind that in John's gospel the whole theme of witness of testimony of seeing and hearing Jesus and that and that witness leading to belief as being a really key thing and then you get the disciple figuring in a really big way in chapter 21 at the resurrection and and there you get this amazing line right towards the end of the gospel the the narrator says this is the disciple who is testifying to these things and has written them and we know that his testimony is true so notice again the importance of witness this is the character that sees key things now who is this character is it just a kind of literary fiction Or is it based on some sort of genuine reminiscence from a real historical figure? Well, he's certainly some kind of ideal figure, some kind of, if you like, paradigm for how a true disciple should behave, one who believes, one who witnesses, one who is by Jesus' side. And that's probably one of the most important things that's going on with this disciple, his kind of example to how to behave as a disciple of Jesus. That must be something that's going on. But in terms of how the book is constructed, how the Gospel of John uses this character, it's difficult not to see John as being on a kind of trajectory from the anonymity of the earlier Gospels, like Mark and Matthew. You might remember that in an earlier episode of the NTPod, NTPod 22, I think it was, on the anonymity of the Gospels, I talked about the way that Mark and Matthew have no authorial self-representation at all. Luke has very little either but it's just beginning to move a little bit in that direction and then by contrast in the second century you get all these gospels that have a strong authorial presence like the gospel of Thomas the gospel of Peter the protevangelium of James where you get disciples themselves claiming to be present and saying their names in the text they're kind of these they're fictionalized authorial self-representations that contrast with the anonymity of those earlier gospels but 
John is interesting in that he seems to be somewhere in between that explicit self-representation in the second century Gospels and the anonymity of the earlier ones. And I wonder whether in the representation of this beloved disciple is, is something of an attempt to stress that there is witness to the events of Jesus's ministry, but he's not quite wanting to go as far as later Gospels go and fictionalise the presence of a named disciple figure. Now, of course, New Testament scholars, being New Testament scholars, being academics, want to provide solutions to this problem. We, we don't, on the whole, like saying, I don't know, or I think the evidence is insufficient to make a clear judgment. We don't like saying those kind of things, and we like to kind of put candidates forward and make cases. And, and there are lots of candidates for who the beloved disciple is supposed to be. They include John. They include a character called John the Elder that is referred to in some early Christian texts. They uh, include Nathaniel, who's mentioned in John chapter 1. Lazarus is a popular popular candidate. He's in John chapter 11, the one that Jesus ra raises from the dead. Uh, Thomas even is, is claimed as a, as a possibility. And a female candidate, Mary Magdalene, is, is sometimes said to be the beloved disciple. My problem with most of these kinds of identifications is that the author clearly doesn't want us to know. And if there is a vital clue there somewhere, it's sufficiently opaque to leave many of us missing it. In other words, you, you can put forward the most convincing case you can on that, that one of these characters like Lazarus or someone else is the beloved disciple. But however great your case is, you have to say that the gospel as it stands really doesn't want it to be clear who this disciple is for whatever reason. There's a deliberate attempt to cloak the identity of this character and not to be completely explicit about him. I think there is something that one can say, though, about this character, and it's a point that's very often missed in the literature, and it's, why is it that so many people across the centuries have assumed that the beloved disciple is John, the son of Zebedee? Why is it that he has become the candidate that has that the, that the identity of the beloved disciple has crystallised around? And, and I think I, I know the answer to that. It's because the text allows the reader even encourages the reader to make that very identification. Now, lots of New Testament scholars will go, no, 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 that's not the case. The beloved disciple can't be John. But just think about it a little bit. What do we know about this character? He appears with Peter in chapter 20 at the empty tomb, just the two of them there. He appears with Peter in chapter 13 at the Last Supper. He appears again with Peter at Peter's denial in chapter 18 of John. And then another case I've already mentioned in chapter 21 is with Peter after the resurrection. So if we knew a little bit about early Christianity and we read this account and we asked ourselves the question, who do we know of in early Christian texts who was always at Peter's side? Who is there in early Christian texts is represented as being alongside Peter repeatedly? There's only one candidate for that. And that candidate is, of course, John, John, the son of Zebedee. After all, if you read Luke's Gospel, he alone is with Peter at the preparation of the Passover, Luke chapter 22. If you know Acts of the Apostles, he's there at the beautiful gate where the man is healed. In fact, the synoptics set up a kind of inner circle of three key disciples, Peter, James and John, and they're with Jesus at key moments in Mark, Matthew and in Luke. Now, James the other son of Zebedee has died early on, that's uh, there in Acts chapter 12, and so the only candidate there that remains into the 
ministry of the early church is John. And it's not just in the Gospels and Acts that you see Peter and John together. If you read Galatians 2, one of Paul's letters, it's an early piece of New Testament literature. There, Peter and John are together in Jerusalem in Galatians chapter 2. So the figure that's consistently alongside Peter in early Christianity is John. So is that who the beloved disciple is supposed to be? Well, I think that at the very least, John in John's Gospel, and of course this always gets a little bit confusing because we, we call by habit and by convention the authors of each of the Gospels, the names that they've traditionally been given. And so we call the author of John's Gospel John. So I apologise when I'm saying John in this kind of context and then saying, oh, is the beloved disciple John? That can get a little bit confusing, I realise. But saying the author of the fourth Gospel all the time gets a bit clumsy. Anyway, back to the point. John, son of Zebedee, is conspicuous by his absence in John's Gospel. He's never mentioned by name. And that therefore makes him a very obvious candidate to be the beloved disciple in John's Gospel. He appears to be present, and this is something that's repeatedly missed in literature on John's Gospel. He appears to be present, cloaked in anonymity, in chapter 1, verses 35 to 42, exactly where you'd expect him, among the first three disciples to be called, along with Peter and Andrew, just as in the synoptics. In all three of the synoptics, Matthew, Mark and Luke, you get four disciples called at the beginning, and they are Simon, Simon Peter, his brother Andrew, and James and John, the sons of Zebedee. You get to John's Gospel, three disciples are called, one's anonymous, and the other two are Peter and Andrew. So again, it's, it's kind of setting itself up as being as being as making the reader think that this character is John son of Zebedee and some people might say well why isn't he called the disciple whom Jesus loved in 135 and following well it's obvious why he isn't because Jesus has just met him so he's called the disciple that Jesus loves later on in the gospel from chapter 13 onwards and I think what's going on is that any reader of John's gospel will be asking a question if they know the synoptics and they know the history of early Christianity they'll be asking the question where is John where is John son of Zebedee why is he absent the only time he's explicitly referred to is in chapter 21 and even there it's just the sons of Zebedee rather kind of you know kind of opaque so where is he the, the reader is constantly saying and he's there because he's there in this character of the disciple whom Jesus loved now, I should be clear about what I'm saying here. I'm not making a claim that John, son of Zebedee, was a special disciple of the historical Jesus. He may well have been, he may well not have been. I think it's incredibly difficult to know that kind of information about the historical Jesus. But what I'm saying is that the Gospel of John actually allows, and more than that, encourages the identification to anyone who knows about these characters in early Christianity. And that's why lots of people across the centuries that have read John have quite reasonably concluded that it was written with the witness of that special disciple in view. And that's why ultimately it got the name John's Gospel too. So it's a conventional kind of answer to me to the question, though I would ask you to listen to those nuances where I'm trying to say it's not a historical relationship specifically. What it is is the author of the fourth gospel allowing you to make that connection, even encouraging you to make that kind of connection, but himself just wanting to hold off a little bit on making that explicit claim. 
Well, thanks very much for your company on this anniversary edition of the NT Pod. We've been around a whole year now, from the 12th of June 2009 to 12th of June 2010. And I appreciate all the feedback during that time and all the encouragement and all the great comments. You can find me on the web at podacre.blogspot.com on Duke University's iTunes U or on iTunes U. And I've got a new Facebook page, facebook.com slash ntpod. And to celebrate our birthday, a new Twitter feed too, twitter.com slash ntpod. So come along and uh, see us over there. Thanks again for your company and I'll be with you again soon.